Our scripture reading today comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 10 to 19. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And David the king, whoops, I didn't, I didn't start there. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus, thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and if your own, of your own we ha have, have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Our Lord, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in, the, in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart, that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. The word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. So we're beginning a new series. We are starting a series that, that I'm going to call uh, Giving and Givers. Why, you may be asking, because this can be awkward. You know, I, I, I realized this morning when I saw our numbers are lower than normal uh, that we probably shouldn't have posted that we were doing this on social media because I think some people stayed home when they saw, saw the topic. I'm just kidding. I, I, I'd like to think it's because some people are sick. Um, So, so your elders and I, coming out of the pandemic, through prayer and just keeping our eyes open, studying the needs of the congregation and our society, felt that there were really two topics that um, called for our attention as a church. One was resolving our conflicts as Christians should. And we've just concluded that. But the next one is understanding giving and generosity as Christians should. 
You know, in the first five years of our church's existence, we were abundantly blessed financially with initial funds that were raised externally on the outside to plant Deep Run Church and to sustain it forward. Over the last three years, all our giving is now internal. It's all 100% Uh, funded by by you and me, all of us. And in the last three years, our finance team has noticed a small but steady downward trend in our monthly giving for, for about three years. Now, I want you to understand, this series is not a guilt trip. I'm saying it up front. It's not a guilt trip. It's not a wake up call. It's a baseline. This series is a baseline that we can come back to over the years to assess how are we doing as a church with generosity, with stewardship, with giving. It's a baseline. It's a foundation for our future. So please understand that. You know, the Barna Research Group over the last year asked Americans in general and also American Christians, where did you learn about your finances? Now, most people, and this shouldn't surprise you, most people said, I learned about money and giving and finances from close family and friends by researching it on the internet and by financial advisors. Obviously, that that makes a lot of sense. But do you know 10% of American Christians, according to Barna, 10% of all American Christians learned about finances from the church or a religious leader? Only 10% of us have ever learned anything about money and giving and generosity from the church, which I think is ironic because nearly all of local church funding in the United States comes from where? The congregation. And I will tell you, in Deep Run Church, 100% of Deep Run's funding comes from everybody in this room. So people give to the church, but people do not learn from the church about giving and generosity. And that that just seems ironic and unfortunate to me. So our church is long overdue for this type of a series. Uh, So uh, we're we're gonna dive in. We're gonna look at an unfamiliar passage from the Bible. You may have not expected us to start here. And, And frankly, until two weeks ago, I didn't know that I would start here. But 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now, it's well known that Solomon, King Solomon, organized the building of the original ancient temple in Jerusalem, the beautiful one, the glorious one, the one that all the old folks after the exile, when they came back and saw Jerusalem ruined, they wept. They wept because they remembered when they were young how glorious and magnificent Solomon's temple was. What people are less familiar with, though, is that it was Solomon's dad. It was King David that made the temple possible. Solomon built the temple with all of his dad's resources. David, for years, had carefully prayed about it and and gathered countless resources from the nations of Tyre and Sidon and throughout all of ancient Israel. He even enlisted the... If you read 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and all of chapter 29, David even enlisted all of Israel's elders, leaders, Um, even the military uh, class, to to provide from their own resources everything that went into building the temple when it was time for Solomon to do it. 
When everything had been gathered, when all had been planned, and as David retired and was getting ready to die, he prayed this wonderful prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And I'm just going to mention right now verse 16 because he said in that prayer, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house and for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Very unremarkably, David simply says, all that they had gathered for God was God's already. Everything we're doing for you, Lord, is yours already. And I think that's a great place to start a series on generosity and giving and money. The concept that God is the source of all that we have and all that we give. And so I want to talk about the source of our resources. I also want to talk about the source of our generosity as Christians, Christ followers. And I want to talk about the source of our attitude about these things. The source of our resources that we have and share, the source of the generosity that allows us to share and to give, and finally, the source of the attitude that we carry in our hearts about giving and generosity and stewardship as Christ followers. So the source of our resources, the source of our generosity, and the source of our attitude about it all. So just to jump in, the source of our resources is God, as David points out in his prayer. The source of your resources, whatever they may be, is a creator who is sovereign and a creator who is generous. The Bible's God not only created all things, but he shares all things, and he gives all things. Look at verse 12, where David prayed, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And so here you see the first biblical principle I want to share in this series. When we give to God, we are giving back what is already His. When we give the first fruits of our earnings or our inheritances or our labors, we are giving to God what already belongs to Him. God is the source of all that people have and of all that people are. I want you to think about this. Where you were born in the world, the century and decade in which you were born, the family of origin that gave birth to you, your natural abilities, the things that you just kind of, they come to you easily, more easily than other people, your acquired skills and talents. Maybe you have a bachelor's degree or a master's or a doctorate in something. Maybe you have a certificate in order to perform some type of, some type of work in the state of Maryland. If you've made the soccer team, or you've passed the MCATs, ultimately God positioned you in the world at this time in a certain place to do what you have done and to receive what's been given to you. Now, I know many of you have worked hard. You've been faithful. You've been dedicated throughout your life. And, and despite all of that, Despite all of that good stuff and hard work, so much of what you have is because of other people. So much of what you have is because of God 
working through other people. So as we talk about giving, the source of any generosity among us as a church is a generous God. Some of you will remember over a decade ago, about a decade ago, President Obama made a statement, and you're going to recognize it because it was very popular and very controversial. He said, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. You remember that? He said, somebody else made that happen. He was partly right. Hold on, hold on. He was partly right. And afterwards, when Steve Forbes said the opposing argument, he wrote, people are the creators of prosperity. Freedom and free markets means more prosperity. He was also partly right. But did you notice that King David in his prayer takes neither position wholeheartedly? David in his prayer acknowledges what you see in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that behind any type of government aid or behind any individual's ingenuity is a sovereign God and a generous God. That's the baseline if you want to talk about money or generosity or giving or stewardship from a Christian perspective. And here's the thing. If we are not the source of our resources, then we're not in full control of them. The source of our generosity is having a realistic view of ourselves. Maybe you didn't think that you were going to hear that today. The source of your generosity, according to David's prayer, is having a realistic view of yourself. Now, follow me. Materialistically speaking, David had everything. He, he was the king. He had everything. And much of what he had, God had given him. God had honored him. Some of what David had, he stole. You can read all about it. But near the end of his life, when he had lived his life in full and everything was said and done and he had made failure and mistakes and sins and had made accomplishments, right, all of that, when it was all done, in verse 15, he, he, he prays, for we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. You see what he's saying there? Here's the second biblical principle I want to share with you about money and giving, we hold our wealth loosely because we cannot keep it. David understood that wealth and assets and our legacies lack permanence. James in the New Testament put it this way, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And so let me humbly suggest that our first takeaway in this series on giving and givers is this. Reconsider that you are a steward, not a lord, of what you have to give. You are a steward and not the lord of your resources. In J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth, 
The steward of Gondor sits on a modest, he's kind of in charge. The steward of Gondor sits on a very modest throne on the floor in the hall of the king. But the king's throne, although there is no present king, there's no king, but the king's throne sits above in in majesty and splendor. It's exalted high above, but it's empty, right? So, So the... The steward, the steward is in charge, but he doesn't sit in the king's seat. That empty throne is a symbol that the steward governs, but does not rule. Does that make sense? Now, let's apply that to our money and our finances and anything that we would call in our lives an asset and a resource. The steward manages, but does not rule. Our money is not so much ours to control, but to manage well and to share, even as God is a God who shares abundantly. So a realistic view of our short time here, actually for the Christian led by faith, encourages generosity. A realistic view of the fleetingness of our possessions and, and the, the finite nature of our short lives for the Christian living by faith, whose inheritance is kept in heaven for us, 1 Peter chapter 1, it actually encourages our generosity. We need to cultivate a realistic view about who we are and what we're about. Unless, unless you regard your short time here as your only chance to accumulate something and protect it and guard it and pass it on to your future generations. You see, we've talked about the source of all that we have being God, and we talked about the source of our generosity being a realistic view on ourselves and the life we live. But here's the thing. Fear is a source as well. Fear is a source of hoarding what we have. And pride is a source of lording what we have. I have a question for you that I want you to think about until next Sunday, okay? I'll think about it too. What have you learned about money and generosity? Or what do you assume right now about money and generosity? Because if Barna's research is correct, then 90% of us in this room have never heard anything about money or giving or generosity from a religious leader or a church in our lives. What have you learned about money? Maybe from when you were a child. You know, the first thing I remember about money was negative. I was about five years old. And my parents are here, so they, they, I don't know if they knew this story. They probably do. And they're nervous because they think I'm going to talk about them. <laughs> but I'm not. I was about five years old. I was at my friend's house. I was at the neighbor's house. And I'll never forget this. I was sitting at the kitchen table, and my friend's dad said, Brian, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just like that. Like, he was like one of those guys, right? Like, have a plan for the next 50 years of your life. Brian, what do you want to be when you grow up? A paleontologist. (laughs) Because I love dinosaurs. I still love dinosaurs. And, and like without missing a beat, he stopped me, he said, no, no, paleontologists don't make any money. You want to be an engineer. And he turned to his son, he goes, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? He was like, an engineer. <laughs> and so 
I didn't want, I knew right then I didn't want to be an engineer. Have you ever seen me do math? There's a reason why we have a finance team. I knew I didn't want to be an engineer, but I knew from that day forward at the age of five that money mattered. What have you learned about money and generosity? And what are your assumptions about it now? I hope that we together in church are going to learn that money and giving are first a heart issue. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Translation, what your heart cares about most are usually the things that rule you and control your life. He said, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is important. Notice he didn't say you cannot serve God and have money. You cannot serve God and have a lot of money. You cannot serve God and share your money. You cannot serve God and give. He simply said, you cannot serve God and serve money. You cannot worship both. You're only going to be able to worship and be controlled by one of those things. And this is why you and I must remain stewards and not lords of our money. Because when you try to own what is not yours to begin with, it will own you. But the source of the Christian's attitude about all of this, because I, I don't know if you're uncomfortable or you feel awkward, maybe you're angry with me, but um, we all have an attitude about this stuff. So the source of the Christian's attitude is gratitude. I, I hate rhyming things. I hate doing that stuff. But it works. It works today. So, so as a Christian, the source of your attitude about these things is, is gratitude, a grateful heart for all that God has done for you. If you're grateful for who God is and what he has done for you, then giving and sharing our, re that'll be a joy to us. Look at what David says in verse 14. Remember, this is the king. He's got everything. Like, like People would be so impressed with what David gave because he had so much. But look at what he says. Who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given to you? You see that? The rich, powerful King David, instead of congratulating himself for his goodwill, you know, and letting all, letting all the journals and newspapers and, and news stations, you know, a press release, listen to what the big, rich, powerful world leader and celebrity is doing as a benevolence to everybody else, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do what powerful people in our world do, what wealthy people in our world do. He simply thanks God that he has been blessed with the opportunity to give. He's honored and grateful to give. He's saying in humility, I don't deserve God to give back to you what already belongs to you. God loves a cheerful giver, Paul told the Corinthians. And David was an example of a cheerful giver. I'm just blessed that, I'm just blessed that I get to participate, that I am a co-laborer, a co-investor 
in what you're doing, God. And that brings us back to the heart here, right? Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, that brings us back to the heart of the matter, our attitude. Remember all that God has done for us, friends. Think about everything that God has done for you. Paul said in Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God was willing to give us Jesus and if Jesus was willing to give himself, his blood, his throne, his life for you, are you thankful for it? Are you grateful for that? then let that grace teach you about giving and money. And, and, and I'm going to say, let's, let's make the foundation about giving and money and resources and all that stuff in our lives, let's make the foundation the grace of God so that none of us are judging one another or feeling awkward that the pastor brings it up in the first place. Let's just make the foundation of how we view these things the grace of God. That although Jesus was rich, he became poor to forgive you and die in your place on a Roman cross. Let the grace of God teach you what giving and generosity are. So reconsider that you, that I, that we are stewards, not lords of all that we have and of all that we can give because God alone is the source of all that we have and of all that we give. We're gonna do this for three more weeks and we're gonna close it after Thanksgiving with gratitude in our hearts, with joy for all that God has blessed us with. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would lead us through understanding something that, that Jesus talked about a lot, our financial resources, and our calling to love others as we love ourselves. I pray, Father, that you would lead us, that, that we would take to heart what our financial advisors and our parents and our siblings and people who are smarter than us and more informed than us have told us. Yes, we, we thank you for all of that common grace, Father, that has helped us to manage our resources well. Thank you. But, Father, we are asking that you would that you would root out any pride in us and root out any fear in us that we would truly be yours. That we would not serve you and try and serve our resources at the same time, but that we would be faithful stewards of all that you have shared with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, whose mercy and generosity was great. Amen.